Welcome to the Culture Quarter with Adam Coleman. Adam Coleman owns and runs one of Ireland's only deliberately developmental organisations. At the time of launching Interlocker, Adam did not realise what a DDO was. But after having created his ideal company culture, a friend and consultant from a major firm in Ireland informed him that he had indeed just created one. Adam had crafted his ideal work culture for himself, his family and his employees at HR Locker. We at HR Locker have persuaded Adam to finally document and record his lessons learned so that he can inspire and guide other business leaders so that they can build their dream company culture. Welcome to the Culture Quarter with Adam Coleman. So Adam, we're currently in tough enough times at the moment in recruitment. Um, Why, from your perspective, are the times so tough from a recruitment perspective? Um... Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting question, Ronan. Um, there's a number of reasons. First, it's tough times uh, in, in some segments because there's a scarcity of candidates. There's, it's tough times for other industries because of the cost of those candidates. Because, as you know, in the last number of years, tech has gone through the roof. So the cost of acquiring candidates from a salary perspective is huge or can be huge. Um, Also, there's economic uncertainty. And we could spend a whole podcast, as you know, talking about, you know, the Ukrainian thing and all the various bits and pieces and the scarcity of, of, um, of product and supply chain. But they're really, really, really strongly economic uncertainty going on at the moment. Um, And if you think about it, at this moment in time, it's for all of those reasons. It's hard to say it from from an agnostic industry perspective. But yeah, there's a scarcity of candidates. There's the cost of of acquiring candidates, be it the cost of recruitment, be it the salaries um, being requested. Uh, and that's not going to go down because obviously the cost of living is going up. Uh, so therefore, uh, that's really important. I was chatting to somebody today, for instance, where um, they were talking about salary reviews in January and stuff like that. Not in our company specifically, but somewhere else. And they were saying that that uh, the last time that something like this happened, that uh, they went to their staff and they increased the staff salaries by five percent but because the cost of living was running at eight percent at the time the way it was articulated back to the company by the employees was you're asking us asking us to take a cut mm-hmm. so so the tough times for recruitment is that one candidates are still very difficult to find um the cost and the expectations of candidates are still high. The economic uncertainty is leading to um, em- employees wanting more money. Companies not been able to afford it, or um, it's because they're, you know, concerned about where the markets might go. So, yeah, it's tough times all around. And Adam, would you say that all companies currently are suffering um, from the? Sorry, I'm sorry again. So, Adam, would you say are all companies suffering from the current tough times you've, you've defined? Oh no, I don't think so. I think I think there's always in when when times are tough from all of the reasons I gave above. There's always going to be 
companies who benefit from it, and there's always companies who are going to lose out from it, for sure. Um, that will really depend on the sector you're in, who you're selling to. Um, uh, so, for instance, if you're looking to sell to tech companies that are heavily invested in at the moment, um, it may it may become very difficult because if they're you know um, laying people off, if they're maybe on a Series D round, and all of a sudden they're not hitting their targets, they might have to have a down round. So there is going to be a tightening up in all those reasons. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it from other other sectors, um, you know, and I, I always uh, revert back to this when we were in H, when we were just doing HR consulting, and most of the stuff was expansionist stuff that we were doing uh, up until two thousand and eight. So we were working with companies who were expanding, and we were helping them find people, and we we're doing all that sort of stuff. And then two thousand and eight came. Um, but because of our experience on, um, on God, I'm actually forgetting it now. Oh yeah, sorry. But because of our experience and in outplacement, we could divert our efforts from expansion into outplacement. Now, why it did require for us to pivot, I think is the term that most people use. Um, uh, it wasn't a great pivot for us because we'd always done some outplacement work and help companies to basically um, reduce in size as well. Um, so there's always going to be winners and there's always going to be losers. It really depends on the sector. And even from our own experience in HR Locker at the moment, um, uh, tech has been affected for sure. Uh, you, I, I'm not going to say what companies, because it's quite obvious it's all over the papers most of the time. Um, professional services companies aren't being as effective at the moment of what we can see. Um, and the non-for-profit sector isn't being affected very much at the moment. But that's because their budgets are well approved in advance, I think. And in general, non-for-profits tend to be very, very good with their money. And they don't spend it on um, expansionist plans based on what investors want to see. It's normally against, you know, uh, government contracts or, or or whatever the case may be. Construction cent- sector is an interesting one because there's massive demand for construction and houses and stuff. But at the same time, there's a massive scarcity of candidates and the cost of, um, the cost of materials is going up. So, all of this affects the construction industry. Um, so I would say construction industry are, are being affected by everything. While the non-for-profits don't seem to be affected too much at the moment. Uh, tech obviously is very high-lined affected. And professional services seems to be still doing fine for now. Okay, brilliant. And so Adam, with all, with all of that in mind, how do you actually attract talent in times like this? Yeah, it's. I, I don't think it's about attracting the talent. It's about attracting the right talent. Because, you know, if the tech companies are laying people off and and we're talking, you know, the high-level ones, we're talking the Metas, the Twitters, et cetera, et cetera, the Stripes, you know, a lot of the people who have worked in organizations like that 
um, are paid a huge premium. And and they have lives and they have bought houses and living in places and have their lifestyle based around that um, those salaries. Because if you talk to people in the tech sector in the last two to three years, a lot of them fe felt that they were virtually, you know, safe. But now they're in a situation where they have to recalibrate. And the jobs that are available in the tech sector are less. Therefore, if you just use rude economics, um, they're likely to get paid less money. So it's it's really tough in 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 that area but to attract the talent and yeah like you know everybody knows that there's really good people in in all of these good tech companies but because the market's run away with itself they're being paid a lot of money that a lot of startup companies and ones who've been frugal with their money can't necessarily afford mm -hmm. so it's a, it's to attract them you can attract them you put a job out there you put it on uh, whatever job board you want to put it on, you put it through the ATSs, like in an HR locker, we we would send it out and, you know, it would go to six ATSs, it would go to LinkedIn, Indeed, Facebook, Twitter, all these places. And, um, and I think from your own perspective, you're going to get a lot of applications. Like we're in a, we're in a recruitment drive at the moment. And, um, we're getting, we, we, we noticed that the number of applications have gone up significantly. We've noticed that uh, where we weren't getting, we say people from specific companies, which we thought should be applying to us in the past, we are getting applications from them. But the salary expectations are still the same at the moment, mm -hmm. which is quite interesting. So there'll be a lot of people coming from the larger organizations that may overlook really good jobs in some companies because those companies aren't prepared to or can't pay the money that the candidates have already been getting in their previous jobs. Mm -hmm. And that also makes it difficult to hire people. So, you know, to attract, you can attract the employees, no problem. But if you write a good job spec, you're very open, transparent about the culture in your business, mm -hmm. and you run the recruitment and selection process really professionally. Um, they're all things that will help you to attract. But then you're down to, you know, can you afford or can the people who are applying to you afford to join you? Mm -hmm. um, and they're big questions. The retention piece is really, really important. But before we go to the retention piece, let's say, for instance, somebody applies to from from another company and we have a job and it's advertised for 50,000. And they apply and they say their expectations are 60,000. And you decide, you know what? They're not working because the next question that was asked in the application is when are you available? And it says immediately. Um, and you enter into that situation with that employee or potential employee and, you know, and you say, look, you're you're looking for 60,000. But the job on offer is only 50,000. Um, 
you're never going to get good information to make a good selection decision on the basis of that because they'll feel they're on the on the back foot straight away. Yeah. So if you manage to get some of those people in the business, um, retaining them will be and can be very difficult because some of them will have come to you because they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will feel, regardless of whether they're overpaid their previous job, they're going to feel less valued, okay? Mm-hmm. Because you haven't paid them what they were on in the previous company, even if the previous company was overpaying them. Um, and you're then into a situation of, of trying to second guess. And again, and I keep saying it, the open transparency and honesty is hugely important. Um, if a person comes to you and says, you know, I'm looking for 60,000, you can say, great, but the job isn't offering that. And then that might end the conversation. But it could be a situation that in six weeks time, when they've been looking around, well, actually, I like that company. So maybe I was prepared to make a drop mm-hmm. uh, to join that company. But during the interview process, you have to ascertain, and this is a really hard one. And, and when, I, when I've asked this question in the past, you get a funny response to it. And you say to them, like, you were on 60,000 in your last job, mm-hmm. and you've said that you're okay with 50,000 in this job. Mm-hmm. How are you going to make up the difference? So you have to get them to be open with you uh, to find out can they actually afford to take your job at that? Mm-hmm. Because we keep harping on about a thing called motivational fit. It's whether you're motivated to work in the company, doing the job, in the style of management, for the amount of money you're being paid. And I would suggest with most companies is that if you don't think a person is acceptable on motivational fit within your business, don't hire them because they will leave. Okay. They will go. Um, so you have to always find out, are they here for a short time, which may work for the company, or are they here for the full journey? Mm-hmm. Now, very hard to get honest answers on those. And interviewing, like everything else, it's a skill that can be learned. It's not an inherent right for a hiring manager to interview and select effectively. Mm-hmm. So retention, there's a retaining your own staff as well, because if you do hire people in and you pay them significantly more to get them into your organization than you're paying the people in your organization, that can cause additional worries and problems unless it's handled effectively. Um, th- these are all black, bo- black box problems, Ronan, all black box problems. Every company has to look at them and make the decisions for themselves. But being open and transparent is very, very good um, to the people, new people coming into the organization. But you have to balance that against the expectations of the company as a whole and and also the expectations of the internal employees. Or, you know, let's be completely frank and honest about it. 
do people talk about their salaries? Of course they do. So the management team, if they do make decisions on bringing people in and paying them more, there is a risk that 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 it will disenfranchise the guys who are already working with you unless you can give a real good justification for it. Yeah. And that's why it's also tough times for companies to make calls like that. Okay. And is there merit then in sourcing talent in different countries or in a different country outside your own? Um, well, the, the, my first answer to that is yes. And my second answer to that is you have to be very, very careful. Um, because let me give you a couple of examples. If we advertise, we're a completely remote company. And if we advertise a senior developer or developer Ireland, right? And we say the salary is 60 to 70 grand. We'll say as, as just as, as, a, as an example, right? Yeah, yeah. 60 to 70,000. Um, we're saying that that's the cost. That's what we were willing to pay somebody if they're remote in Ireland. Now, you will find that a lot of people who are in Romania, in Poland, in wherever else, Spain, England, they see this and they immediately think, that's what I'm going to get paid. And the answer is yes, that's what you're going to get paid if you're remote in Ireland. Mm -hmm. But if you're remote in Spain, you're remote in another country, the cost to have a full-time employee in other countries can be different than the cost of having them in Ireland because there's a thing called employer's tax. Right. Okay. And with employer's tax, in some countries, you will pay significantly more than you will in Ireland and England. Okay. Okay. And also, there is company of notes that if you set up a company over there, there's a significant cost of setting up that company over there or a company of note over there. Mm -hmm. And there's a significant cost to basically making payroll available in those countries. So if we have a job or if anybody has a job that's advertised in remote Ireland, remote, yeah. and somebody applies from a different jurisdiction, um, it could mean that the salary will be different because the cost of the company will be different. And that is also another conversation that has to be had early on in the recruitment process. Or when you get to making a job offer, it's going to be a an, uh, uh, it's going to be a problem, and it's going to be another sort of um, question to be answered and to get over with. So, how would your selection be affected when we're in times like this, when times are tough? The selection shouldn't be really affected by that much, but in other words, I will still hire the same candidates ideally. But the process to getting to selection is different because sometimes, as I described, you have to figure out, well, if the job is advertised at 
60,000. Or if the job isn't advertised and you say dependable on experience, but you've budgeted 60,000 and the person wants 70,000 or 80,000 because that's what they were in the previous organization, you have to basically have a conversation with them to say, um, you know, this is why we're offering this. And we want you to be totally honest with us in regards to what you're looking for. Now, we always in HR Locker, we always ask people, um, what's your current salary and what's your expected salary? And um, I would say 65% of people will give you an answer. Um, and some people will say, I'm not willing to talk about it at this moment in time. And we don't we don't include them in the selection process. We respond back and we say, hi, John, hope things are well. We're an open and transparent organization. I don't want to waste your time if your expectations are beyond what we want to, um, to pay or can pay for that matter. Mm -hmm. So you need to let us know. And if you're not willing to let us know, um, we're going to have to regret this at this moment in time. So we give them an opportunity to come back and talk to us. But immediately, in, in terms of open transparency, you're sort of thinking to yourself, will this person work in this culture? And can they work in this culture? And you, you can't be that cut and dry with it because 95% of the companies out there aren't open and transparent. And this is how the recruitment and selection world and negotiation around salaries works in most of the organization. It doesn't work like that in ours. So therefore, we have to make allowances. We, we can't expect the whole world to change because we do it this way. We have to try and help the whole world to change because mm -hmm. we think it's the best way. Is there specific tips or advice that you give to employers at the moment uh, when the market when the market is as it is very volatile and, and unpredictable? Yeah, I think I think with the employers that are still hiring, I think you need to stick to your guns. I need I think you 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 need to basically you know make sure that the budget is right for the job that you're hiring, but you have to have those open transparent conversations with people and expectations mm -hmm. and an understanding of, you know, you don't want to bring somebody into your organization if they're taking a 15 grand uh, drop in salary and they've got a mortgage that they need to pay that they won't be able to pay if you give them a 15% drop in salary. Mm -hmm. um, and But some people can be desperate enough to take things even though their economic situation may say that they shouldn't and they should hold out for something bigger. So I think open transparency, chat around salaries, expectations, all that sort of stuff is really, really important. Um, and what the tip I would give is don't be afraid to have that open conversation, because if you don't, you're going to waste a load of time or you're going to end up with probably demotivated employees who come on board and the chances of them leaving percent-wise goes up if times start changing again. So these are all things that really have to be taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then on the flip side of that, what advice would you give to employees who are out there now looking for a career change? I would say the first thing is, is that you need to do your math and figure out how much you can afford to work for or not to work for, 
mm-hmm. um, uh, so that you don't get yourself into personal financial problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say to employees that you're going to have to be open and transparent with the companies and to really go into the situation where, you know, you're starting to uphold trust and truth from the time that you start the interview. Um, and I would also say to employees is that, you know, if you've joined an organization that seems like it's going to be the next unicorn or unicorn status, and uh, and you totally believe in that and it hasn't happened, you need to reassess the type of company that you want to go and work for. Or you go looking for another potential unicorn and you take that chance again. Okay. So I think, again, it's down to being open. It's down to be transparent. It's down to, to really know uh, what your worth is. And more importantly, what your worth is to that company that you really want to join because you like the way they operate or you like the culture within the organization or you like the potential hiring manager or you like the domain that they're in. So you have to, you have, it's not just about money. 